Byron, Mississippi, it's Lakeshore Church. You're able, you stand in honor of God's Word. Mark chapter 12, uh, begin the reading. It's just a few verses, verse number 28 through 31. Uh, we'll be reading out of the Christian standard. After that, you can be seated, all right? We'll pray and you can be seated. But verse 28, Mark 12, we find this. One of the scribes approached. When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked them, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Let's pray together. Lord, you know our heart, uh, my words, my thoughts. We want them to be yours, God. I, and I desire for every one of us to walk in obedience to what we hear today. Ultimately, God, the totality of life is about you and about other people in our life. Lord, bring glory and honor to yourself. We'll praise you now and forevermore. For we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated. As you're settling in, this is truly a, a strange one. Um, the ones he was talking to were used to 613 laws, <laughs> commands, if you will. And you say, okay, who's he think he is? Come along and tell us that if you'll just do these two, you fulfill it all. Had to be strange. But I hope in the next 20, 25 minutes, you'll be able to say, hey, it's pretty, str pretty strong stuff for us too. To be reminded that if we want to be what God wants us to be, then these two have to be in that way in our life. Strange, but strong. I want to share with you in the, the title, we came up with that because of the totality of life. That's, that's pretty bold to put a, put a description out there like that, the totality of life. And I begin to think about, and I remember, and I, I had a conversation after the first gathering with, with someone about this, that, that I struggle with heart, soul, mind, and strength. How to define that for people? There's a lot of confusion. Isn't the heart the same as the soul? And what about the spirituality of somebody and, and their soul and, and all that confusing thing? Maybe we're not really confused with mind and strength, but that can even be, you know, the heart of the matter, the mind of the matter. There's, there's things that can be very confusing. And I thought I'd take a minute or two and just describe it for you. When I think about heart, and I could be, you know, it's my opinion, but I think it's borne out in the Word the more you read it. When I think about the heart of something, I think about affection, <laughs> you know, uh, I remember the first time I saw Suzanne, her, her hair was as wide as her shoulders were. But anyway, uh, I saw Suzanne at a wedding. It wasn't ours. We actually, we actually knew each other for a while before we got married. But anyway, it was at a wedding. Saw her later on. I remember affection. Uh, I, I can remember, and I hadn't gotten over it yet, but uh, we, we just celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary. Uh, my heart still leaps for her. It, it's leapt for her. It's, it, it does. I remember when my kids were born. I remember, you know, standing at the window. I remember being in the, in the delivery room, in the operating room. I remember when they came in the world, and there's things I'll never forget about that. I remember that affection that took off. I, I remember that. It's amazing how in those kind of relationships. And think about this now. Loving God, I believe, and I had some great conversations with people already about this, is that there should be some affection involved. There should be some affection that I have for Jesus Christ. It's not just regimented. You know, he loves us. He, it's, we think sometimes it's, it's regulations and, and regimented stuff. It's about a relationship. And so I want to ask you right off, how, how much do you love him? You know, how, how much affection do you have for Jesus Christ? And, and uh, not only that, but then think about the soul. So, so we have this list. We have heart, soul, mind, and strength. When I think about soul, it is actually the spirituality of someone. 
This might surprise you, but, but did you know that if I had someone come up and, and stand on the stage and everybody in this room knew them, and I said, tell me about them, it would be way down the list if they had a goatee or a mustache or gray hair or what they were wearing. It'd be way down the list before we would ever get to any of those characterizations of them. It would be about their integrity. It would be about their honesty. It would be about personality things of them. It wouldn't be about tangible things. It would really be intangible. Well, listen to me very carefully. Spirituality is who we are. One day, the thing that you see here before you sitting in this chair will be no more. My body as it is, thank the Lord, (laughs) will not carry over into eternity, but I will, because of spirituality and who I am, will live forever. Do you follow what I'm saying? So that person, and there's a need to know Jesus Christ because we need a spirituality. We need to be born again, that that lasts forever. Not just the sinful nature, but the spiritual nature in Christ. So we have a soul. Then there's two more. You know what mind is. That's our thoughts. Let me show you a verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, be not conformed to this age, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind so that you can discern what is that good and pleasing and perfect will of God. So, so there's a matter, and I can show you this, and there are many times people lump them all together, that there's a difference between your mind and your heart. Paul wrote it, let the, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus our Lord. So mind is our thoughts. I've often told people this, and you need to get it, is that that's the battleground. Before you sin, there's a thought. You know, Before you do something, you have a thought. There, there's, a, there's a reasoning that goes on. The enemy hangs out in that world. Hmm. And then lastly, you have strength. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, whatever you do, do it from the heart. See how that works? Whatever you do, do it from your affection. I think this, a lot of times, people's spiritual lives are lacking because they haven't fallen in love. Maybe they've fallen out of love. Maybe they don't understand loving God. And see, when that affection is there, whatever you do, do it from your heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. So we have this thing of, of strength is, is our effort. I, I think when Mark, wrote, when Mark did his gospel, we see, that, we see this. The disciple there, we, we get that, all right? So this is the totality of life toward God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. But watch this. It doesn't end there. It also talks about that we, 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 we know that the totality of life is also about loving other folks. Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 12. Look at this. It says, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. Now listen, if there's something that now started off pretty deep in introduction, but we really need to grab a hold of this, folks. What is the law and the prophets? Why well, don't give it to you in several ways? If, I, if I've picked up the Word of God, our Monday and Friday group that meets, we're in, the, we're in the book of Numbers now, and we're going to make it. We've already made it through Leviticus and Exodus. We're going to make it. We still got Deuteronomy we've got to walk through, but it's, it's good stuff. But in Leviticus, you have the law, okay? So when he says law and the prophets, just take your Bible and you're going through the first part, and then you just flip the pages enough, you're going to come to some major prophets, and then after major prophets, you're going to come to minor prophets. And what he's saying could very well be for us to get it is if, if, if you do these two commandments, you fulfill all of this. And I want to remind you, some say, oh, no, I meet some people occasionally go, I don't have to worry about all this. I don't have to worry about all this Old Testament stuff because we're New Testament. That's true. But you leave something out when somebody says this. Jesus didn't come in opposition to the law. He came to do what? Do you know it? He came to fulfill it. So over here in the New Testament, 
is really a fulfillment of what God was doing in the old. He was pointing toward Christ. Don't have time to establish that. I would love to, but it's, it, it is what it is. So you got the law and the prophets. Watch this. You also have, you have the written word, the law, but you also have the prophet. You also have the person expounding on it, the person that's verbalizing and interpreting what's going on in the law. Now, what I want you to get is you got the entirety of this, okay? Anytime it's opened up, the entirety of this, anytime somebody gets up as a prophet and expounds on it, and what Jesus is saying is, look, every time somebody would preach, every time somebody would read the Word, if you want to fulfill everything that God stands for, anything you'll ever hear, then love God with everything about you and love your neighbor as yourself. Is that not a while? <laughs> huh? That's a while, right? Some say, I don't know, Brother Jay. I read the, you know, I appreciate that translation that we can understand, but I don't understand what I'm reading. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. It's hard for me to comprehend. Brother Jay, you get going and you talk so fast, I can't, I can't understand. Years ago, and I know I got south in the mouth. Years ago, and I was in Georgia passing, there was a lady that was a, a, a parent of a person in our church. And she would come visit from Pennsylvania, and finally one day she wanted to talk to me. And this is what she said. She had a strong northern accent. And uh, she's definitely going to live in northern the kingdom. She's going to live in northern heaven. There ain't no doubt in my mind about that. But she said, uh, she said, I want to tell you something. She said, you are the fastest, slowest talking person I've ever met. She said, my diction was slow and drawled out, you know, southern. But you talk so fast, it's hard for me to understand. The point I'll make is this. If there are times I'm over your head, if you don't understand the Word of God, here's the good news. Love God with everything about you. Love your neighbors yourself the way you want to be loved, and you fulfill everything that God stands for and everything that will ever be preached. It's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Oh, it's huge. Let me break it down a little more. You say, that's enough, can't we just, that's it. But here's, when I think about the greatest, we need to be reminded of some things today. First, their commands. Hmm. Commands to me is not optional. Week after next, I will go to meet with a bunch of folks that I don't get to see that often. I actually graduated high school with them. Wasn't a big high school, but I went to a military high school. It was actually co-ed. Girls, if they chose, they could be in the military part of it. Guys didn't have a choice, but we have guys and girls in our class. I will observe a 40 years I've been out of high school. It's amazing. That much time has gone by. It's amazing. But in a military high school... <laughs> Every day we had commands. And if you didn't do what you were supposed to do, you paid the price for it. Well, I want to remind you that God loves us enough. He didn't put suggestions out. He put commands. I'm not a big uh, window sticker, a bumper sticker guy. I, I came along as a teenager. I remember people put stuff on their car all the time. I still see occasionally somebody will have an older car, and they'll have bumper stickers all over, all over the windows, the back of it. Some people just love that. I, I've just never liked Glue and I don't get along, Okay. When you want to change something. But, and I remember bumper stickers. But you know the latest, the last, I guess it comes off easier. You know these stickers that people are putting on their windows? You've seen the one where it's got the, it's got the man and the lady and then they got the four kids and their dog and all that. I mean, the people love all this kind of stuff. This is a good one, all right? This window sticker I found. It's not the ten suggestions. Don't we need to be reminded sometimes that God is not just guiding us to do if we want to do it or not. He knows the best way for us. And when I think about the greatest commandments, the greatest, these two, they're not really suggestions, they're commands. They ask the question, which is the greatest command? 
It was not which is the greatest suggestion. And that's just a good place to start, but we need to hear that. Secondly, not only when I think about the greatest commands, but it's also about concerns. <laughs> I, d- I define concerns, what we've already talked about in, the, in loving God with your, your mind. It, it's a mindset. If you're concerned about someone, you have a mindset that you're concerned. If there's something going on in your life, that's not tangible necessarily. It's not doing something, but it has our, it has our attention. And we should have a mindset. We should have a concern about our relationship with Christ as well as a mindset of other people. It's a great question, but let me ask you something. What does God think of you? What does he think of me? How are things between God and me and you and the Lord? What are the thoughts that we have about God and for others? I'm going to plow deep here in the next few minutes, and please forgive me in the front, but we need to hear this. We do. Somehow we've watered it down that God loves us so much that we can just do whatever and it's going to be okay. God wants the totality of us, folks. And the totality is to love God with everything about us as much as we possibly can. It needs to be a mindset and a concern that I am trying to love God with my affection. I'm trying to love him with my relationship with him. I'm trying to love him with my mindsets. I'm trying to love him with my strength. God help me with with my energy to be what you need me to be. And God help me to love others (laughs) the way if I was them, the way I would want to be loved. Concern. Watch this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. It's a great one about, I, I love this. And you know, the, 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 the King James says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. I love the Christian standard. I love the word adopt because it's not something that just happens. There's an action here and you and I have to adopt it. it ha- we have to realize, wait a second, I want to have the mindsets in my life and the attitudes that Jesus Christ has. So adopt the same attitude as that of, of Christ Jesus. Here's, here's the point. No matter what you're going through in life, wherever you are, your desire needs to be, God, I want to think about this thing the way you think about it. Let me tell you something. It'll change you. When somebody says, hey, I'm going through something I don't want to go through. I'm not liking it. Well, put on what? What, what would Christ do? What would Christ's mindset be? I promise you it'll birth an, a, a, a new environment for you. So it's concerns. All right? And I'll tell you this about mindsets. Mindsets don't just happen. They're disciplines. And there's sometimes we don't hear that enough. It's a discipline to have the right mindset. I do believe that there's such a thing as stinking thinking, all right? It'd probably be in my Jude chapter 2 sermon series. It's not in the Bible. There's a lot of things that talk about it, but there's not a verse that says that. But I very much believe many people are derailed today. Many people today are distraught, maybe even be depressed. They have a lot of issues in their life because they think the wrong way. Amen? They, they, they go down a road and let themselves just be overwhelmed with the mindset that they have. And yet our mindset today, this concern, if you will, is it's a discipline. God help me that. Let, this adopt, let me adopt the same attitude that Jesus Christ would have if he was going through or experiencing what I am in my life. Someone said, well, Brother Jay, I don't know if that makes sense. Well, here's a, here's a good one. When he was on the cross, he didn't know any sin. He didn't, had never committed any sin, never done anything wrong. They nailed him to a cross. He was like dying like a common criminal. And it was amazing. And yet he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God help us with that mindset. Amen. Let me give you two more. When I think about the grace, it's also about commitment. If mindset's the concern, then commitment's got to be about action. Somewhere actions, and I spend a lot of time preaching this. It seems like the day and age we live in. There's so much about being right with the Lord. It's almost like we, we give out this prevail, uh, this view that if you know God, it's almost like a license to go do whatever you want to do. And so, so, oh, no, that's not the case. Well, there's some theology out there that I beg to differ with you. 
I don't have untime, unti- time to unpack it. The clock is running, you know, that kind of thing. But I want to remind you today that there should be a commitment level of my life of what God has done. Love is an action. When somebody says they love someone, there's got to be some action behind that. It can't just be empty words that we say. There's got to be some action. Hmm. Let me give you an, show you an example. For years and years, I've shared this before, but I got nothing that's even close to this. In John chapter 14, verse 15, I want to show you something. Jesus was speaking, and he said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I don't think this is coincidental for this sermon. What did he say you'll keep? You'll keep my what? Commands. commands. So remember the commandments? Remember the greatest is to love the Lord God with all the thing, everything about you, love your neighbors yourself? I've heard people pray this way. I've just about stopped it in my life because I feel too convicted. But for years, I would start a prayer like this, Lord, I love you. And I remember there would be this thought that would come over my life, over my mind, right in the middle of the prayer. Do I really love him? Because many people say, oh, I love Christ. I love God, preacher, because I'm saved. I want to remind you, your salvation is not based on your love for God. It's God's love for you. Do you get it? For God so loved you and me that he gave Jesus, and Jesus paid the price. Remember last time he was our propitiation. He substituted. He took God's wrath on the cross so the Father doesn't look at us wrathfully anymore, but through love. So you're saved today not because of your love for God. You're saved today because God loved you. Let me show you something. I, get, I often get asked about, about Western Arminianism, and I get asked about holiness, and I get asked about sanctification, those kind of words. Well, let me sum it up for you. Here it is. Several years ago, I decided instead of talking about sanctification, all those big words, and many times I've, I've said if you can't spell them, you don't need to say them. <laughs> I understand the Lordship of Christ, and this verse highlights it. For me to be saved and accept Christ as my Savior, I'm just accepting God's love for me. But watch this. If I love God, my love is demonstrated by keeping his commands. Do you see it? So if I'm going to say that Jesus is my Lord, then I am obeying the Lord in my life. Not saved going to heaven, but living for God before I get there. And I think it's a gross misjustice sometimes in our words. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. I mentioned this. If you turn on a TV preacher, and as the fellow said in terrible English, I are one. A lot of times there's big time TV preachers when they get up at the end, they'll say, if you'll just pray this prayer, and it's the sinner's prayer that, that spiritual people have come up with. It's not in the Bible per se. It's not in the appendix. It's not in the concordance. It's just what it is. If you'll pray this prayer, this is what they say. If you'll pray this prayer, we believe that you just accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Some say, oh, this is petty. I don't think so at all. I got saved when I was seven years old. I think with integrity, the first time that I could say that Jesus was my Lord, was my Lord I was in my 20s. Hmm. When you get saved, he's not the Lord of your life. He's the Savior of your soul. But I believe I can show you and don't have time today, but I can show you in the Word of God that God brings us to a place of us accepting not only him as our Savior, but God, I want you to be the Lord of my life here before I get to heaven. And I believe it's a misjustice when we say things like that, and I don't think it's done intentionally. He is Lord, but he's not Lord of my life until I give that to him. You follow me? I'm not saying that Jesus is not Lord. He's not, he, yes, he is, but he's not Lord of my life until I surrender the reins of my life to him. And I didn't do that when I was seven. When I got saved, I was seven. I wanted to go to heaven and not spend eternity in hell. All right, so you understand it, the Lord. Now let me tell you this way. I wrote this down, and you need to get it. You need to remember this. It's based on how I live, not just how I feel. 
People say, Brother Jay, how do you how do you know you're pleasing to the Lord? Well, when I believe in a day and time that God, every part of my heart and every part of my soul and every part of my mind and every part of my strength, I desire to be what you wanted me to be. And when I walk through a day and I don't minimize and I don't take value away from someone else thinking God understands, but I understand that God values everybody else in this world just like he values me. Well, Brother Jay, you don't know what they did. Well, I know what they did to Jesus on the cross, and you know what he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How have we come up, how have we gotten so good that we think we've changed God's heart and God's mind? Does he love all or most? He loves all. So how do I think that I can cheapen someone else's value because somebody hurt me or some view I have of them is not the view God has of them? Now listen to me, folks. I told you I was going to plow deep. You might be exactly right what they are. I'll tell you another grace moment. People don't get there by themselves. Most of the time, people that hurt other people are are hurting themselves. And secondly, somebody else showed them how to hurt other people. That's a little grace moment. But here's what I want you to get. If I'm going to be what God wants me to be, that I've got to love God with everything about me. My intentionality is to love him with everything about me, not partially. Him to be Lord of my life. And then I've got to love others the way I'd want to be loved. One more. won't stay long, but when I think about the greatest, I think about camaraderie. We've been talking a lot about small groups and those kind of things, but we are better together, folks. When I think about Wesley College and, and uh, the alumni time we spent together this weekend, it was really neat. I was reminded that we're better together. Had the opportunity to see some friends I haven't seen in several years, and it was just like we picked up right where we left off. You know why? Because we're in a common family. Amen? We, we, <laughs> we've made common decisions for Christ. We, we have a common destination. We're going to heaven together. We might not see each other that much on this side and might not see each other much when we get to heaven. But we're still going that place. We're better together. I don't know if you're aware of the Matthew, uh, Matthew Stover. I thought I had it right, but George Lucas was the guy behind Star Wars. But I found out that Matthew Stover, he actually wrote some of the, the uh, on down. I think there's like, what, 97 Star Wars movies that are out now? I, don't, I think there's like 100 books that have been written. But I found out Matthew Stover actually wrote some of them. Uh, Anthony Thaxton is my uh, Star Wars buff. He's met all these guys. He'll, he'll fix this for me if I tell it wrong while he's editing this week. But he said this, and I love it. I just found this surfing. He said, if you take out the team and teamwork, it's just work. Now, who wants that? Isn't that good? If, if somebody doesn't want to be around other people, then what good is that? You know what I'm saying? If, if we don't realize that we're in this thing together, we're better together, folks. We are. You've got accountability. You've got all kind of stuff. You, you know, you've got support. You've got strength. It's, it's with better together. But let me tell you what's happened a lot of times. Somehow or another, we think God understands when i got some kind of issues going on with other folks. We need to deal with all that stuff. We need to, truly. And that, it's camaraderie. Uh, we, are, we are a great team with the Lord and with others. And as I said about praying, and, and the, you know, when I pray, it's, it's about him and them first. It's not about my grocery list to the Lord. We're winding down today. I want to show you something that's pretty unique. And I think we can't, we can't afford to miss this part of it. But in verse number 31 of the text, the last part, but I'll, I'll end with, the, I'll read the whole thing. The second is love your neighbors yourself. Watch this. There's no other command greater than these. Now, Jay, just in his finite thing, I would have thought that Jesus would have said there's no greater commandment than loving God with everything about you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's not what he said. He said there's no greater command than these, plural, meaning the two. Loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength 
and loving your neighbor as yourself. Wow. Remember the law and the prophets? Everything God's ever stood for can be summed up right here. Everything ever written, everything ever expounded on is summed up. Hmm. These two. And I thought about these. I'll give you something just, just quickly. First, you've got to understand this. They're both equal. That sounds like heresy right there. <laughs> but they're both equal. Maybe it will help you understand how Jesus hung on the cross. How he paid sin's debt. How the father would let his son go through all the humiliation that he went through. Because we're equal. Do you struggle with that? Yes, I do too. But I'll tell you this. You and I are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. You know what a co-heir is? They're equal. You know, if the mom and daddy left us 100000 you and I are both siblings, and we're co-heirs, we get fifty k apiece because we're co-heirs. God says the same value, listen to this, this is good stuff, same value that he puts on his son, he puts on you and me. So the next time you're having a pity party over your value, know that God himself values you. The next time somebody tells you you're a nobody, be reminded that God says you're a somebody. I love it. Huh? He died for you. He took your place. That's how valuable you are. Wow. I didn't say that in the first service, so some of you must need it. Both are equal. Wow. The Word says loving God with everything I am is just as important as loving someone else like myself, or like, that I want to be loved like myself, others like myself, and vice versa. Watch this now. The Scripture says this. You will know that you pass from death unto life because you love the brethren. Huh. Think about that. It's, it's powerful stuff. In reality, they're both equal. So I disagree with that. That's okay. Go read your word. You'll be enlightened, I promise you. Because the evidence of who I am in Jesus is how I deal with other people. You know what concerns me? What I get short of breath on this sermon, not just being overweight or out of breath or older. You know why I get short of breath in this thought? Because there are people thinking that they can have a relationship with God and not have relationships with other people. They think that we can love God and hate others, and that's not possible because those are equal. Well, Brother Jay, what if they've done it? Well, give them to the Lord. I'm not saying you've got to invite them over for supper, but you might be surprised what God does. Hmm, I still say forgiveness is the greatest tool we have in our toolbox. These, not only are they equal, secondly, they're a reflection of each other. <laughs> I've talked about this a lot, but I haven't talked about it in a while, and I'm going to do it. All around this place, in the restrooms and in the, in, in the office area, in this room, there are several. Even the stained glass window behind us has three crosses. You've never seen them. It's all about a cross. How many times you've heard me? Probably the number one thing you've heard me say over our tenure here is that we're all about a cross, folks. Jesus is all about a cross. <laughs> there's been songs written and hymns written and, and there's words and there's many verses that remind us about a cross. We have over 200 on the cross walls out behind you. Matthew 16 at 24. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. It's all about a cross. But listen to me. You do not have a cross if you don't have a vertical piece and a horizontal piece. Listen, don't plow deep, but you got to love me to go to heaven. People think they're going to get to heaven because they got a horizontal, I mean a, a vertical piece. I know God. I know God. But the demonstration, the evidence that you know God is in horizontal peace in your life. 
And there's too many times, I believe, with everything about me, we've gotten used to the idea that I can harbor something about someone else and have peace with God. One of the greatest convictions of my life ever was, you think you can hate this person and then tell other people about the love of God. And God broke my heart. The devil doesn't have to get between God and me to cause me problems. All he's got to do is get between you and me.